Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Think about who in your life do you know extremely well, who also knows you intimately? Who knows you better than you know yourself? Here's First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung with today's message. Good morning. Good morning, it's wonderful to see you. I'm Jenny Sung, I'm the campus pastor to The Vine and the executive coordinator at First Pres. And it is so wonderful to be here with you this morning. I've recently come back from the last part of my sabbatical and it involved a lot of travel, a lot of airports, and you know, I've become quite familiar with airport security screenings. Tell me if you know what I'm talking about, anyone? Okay. If you don't know, let me just show you some of the steps. There is a security checkpoint that you have to stand in a very long line usually, and then you line up all of your bags. And then these bags go into the plastic tubs and they kind of go through this very large x-ray machine. You know, there's these lines and lines of bags. And then they scan all of your contents. And you know, you have to take off your shoes, they search your shoes, they search your bags, and sometimes they tell you to empty out your pockets, they search everything. And then you go stand in another line, and you go through a human x-ray machine. You know, you see that thing, you know, that that human x-ray machine, and you stand in it, and there's like this almost like chalk figure and tells you exactly where to put your hands, so you're like, and, and, and then, you know, and they, and they totally search your body. And sometimes, you know, they'll even patch you down afterwards. They search through everything, obviously, for possible threats to security. You know, everything is seen, all the contents. And, you know, this is not a Pastor Dan travel story. They didn't find anything weird. Uh, you know, the, the worst thing I did was I left my hoodie on, you know. But sometimes they will find weird stuff. There was an article where airport workers shared some of the weird or just plain confusing things that passed through. And here are some of the items. One, a guy passed through with two suitcases filled with egg cartons. Empty egg cartons, that was it. Number two, human skin pills. Don't, don't ask me what those are. Number three, turtles, fireworks, and bleach. Same guy, same bag. Number four, I once saw a guy try passing security in a banana costume. Can you imagine the pat down of trying to do that one? Number five, hunters ground up their deer, put it in cardboard boxes, duct taped it, and froze it solid. They expected the mass of the frozen block to keep the meat cool and not ooze blood onto everyone else's stuff. And last but not least, the check-in flight saw something a little sketchy on the scanner, and so they unzipped the suitcase to find that a guy was trying to bring in multiple bags of water with live exotic fish on the flight in the suitcase. You know, he was baffled as to why it would be a problem. It was a problem, officer. It's like finding Nemo little suitcases, right? Um, I could kind of see, you know, reading this, why some people would search to kind of know what you have, right? We're an interesting, unique bunch in life. We are 7.7 billion people on this planet, and not one fingerprint is the same. Everybody just hold up your fingers right there. If you're online, there you go. Do you know that no one else in the world has the exact same set of ridges and lines and on your fingerprints right there? It, that fact alone is simply mind-blowing. 
And that's not even given all of the personal experiences you went through in life, your environment, all those things that make and shape you, well, you. Today we read about our God who searches and knows us, but he doesn't need no x-ray machine. His search is not because he wants to confiscate something, you know, he wants to find it and take it away. No, he, rather he longs to give you everything that is good. It's more like the love of a parent to a child. It's like when you're caring for something so precious, you tend to it. And, and if you were to lose it, you would search high and low to redeem it. You would go to the ends of the earth. It's like when you care for someone and you love them so much that you would give everything you have, all of yourself, maybe your very life. The Bible tells us about the heart of our God who searches and wants to be close. It's a shepherd who goes out to look for one lost sheep. It's a father who welcomes back his wayward son with open arms. The God who lovingly created us, breathed life into us, and guides us each day. That is the nature of our God. As we prepare to stand in bit and read our Bible passage for today, I just want to remind us of a simple tool. I think I taught us here last time with four very simple questions. And this is a tool you can use all the time when you dive into scripture. It helps us to focus first on God, maybe not our circumstances or ourselves, but to first look at God and who he is when we read scripture. So here are the four questions. It was, who is God? What does this passage say about the character of God? Two, what has God done? How do we see God's character in action here? Number three, who am I in light of who God says he is and what he's done? And number four, if I believe one, two, and three, then how do I respond? What do I do? Now, if you're able, please stand as we go through our passage today. It's from a beautiful psalm, Psalm 139, the first 18 verses. It's a poem by David. Will you read this with me as it comes up on the screen? Oh Lord, there it goes. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and night wraps itself around me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, 
for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. How beautiful. Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. This is the way the psalmist begins this poem, highlighting the God who created us. God is our creator. There are 206 bones, 640 muscles, 70 trillion cells, 100 billion neurons in our brains. And God intricately wove those together. He ordained our lives, gave us purpose and meaning. And you can discern when we, when we sit and when we rise, when we wake up, when we sleep. He's familiar with all our ways. He knows our thoughts, even before we say them. And that's a bit unnerving. God knows every inclination, every path, every longing that we have. He knows that person who's going to try to take human skin pills, or wear a banana suit through customs, or smuggle live fish in bags of water. And you know, we may not understand why, but he does. He knows us so intimately that he knows us even better than we know ourselves. Our God is omniscient meaning he is all omni-knowing, sciencia, omniscient. It is a state of possessing all the knowledge there is. God knows and understands everything. Pastor and author A.W. Tozer wrote in his book, The Pursuit of God. This means that he knows in one free and effortless act, all matter, all spirit, all relationships, all events. The one who understands everything in all time and space is the one who searches and knows you. The one who discerns everywhere you go and even your thoughts, maybe in the darkest of nights. Thoughts of regret, your greatest hopes in life, your dreads and worries. The times when you might have felt utterly alone and you might wonder, Who's got me? Does anyone know who I am? Does anyone care? Know that you are known and cared for by God himself. Being known is something that's central to our human experience. It's quite poignant oftentimes at the end of life, you know, like when you go to funerals, when we go to memorial service, or you may have gone to a celebration of life, who do we find filling the room? And who do you find at the front sharing 
from the stage or in the front of the group. It's those who knew that person best. When I lost my husband of 25 years, we had a celebration of life service. It was right before he turned 50 years old. And we wanted to celebrate his life. I wanted to know, I wanted everyone to know who Carl was. And so, at a celebration of life, his little brother came, John shared. And the professor he worked with in the zoology department for over 10 years, Dr. Robineau, he came and shared. My best friend, Laura K. Rand, who had lived with us for years and probably knew our family best, 24 hours a day we were together, and she shared. And of course, I shared, a man I loved for 28 years. And we shared and talked about how Carl was unique and how much we'll miss him and the impact that he had on the world. And I remember afterwards, you know, Chris Pan came up to me and he said something that really warmed my heart. And he just kind of said, like, man, I, I didn't know all that about Carl. Wow, what an amazing guy. You know, I, I wish I knew him better. And it, it actually made me smile and it warmed my heart because that was the point in, in the sharing. I wanted everyone to know Carl the way I knew him. To be known as central to our human experience, our human identity. And at the end of the day, it matters that we're known and understood. We have a God who is deeply personal, who knows our desires and familiar with all of our ways. The author of the Psalm, David, he knows this. And he writes this poem and he composes this beautiful journey through his emotions as he contemplates the personal revelation of God who cares deeply about relationship and cares deeply about people. This is a poem where the created one contemplates the creator and he marvels at the infinite yet intimate God. You know, the attributes of God, it doesn't just stop at omniscience. There's something else we see in Psalm 139. We see that God is not only all-knowing, His presence is everywhere. There's no place where God's knowledge and power does not extend. Nowhere. God is omnipresent, meaning all-present. David says, where can I go from your spirit? There's a beautiful song, right, that that actually is from the psalm. Where can I go from your spirit? If I send to the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which basically means where the dead go, it's the grave. Even there, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there, you will guide me from east to west. You're there. In fact, the psalmist says, you know, even, even if it's like dark and then it feels like the night is just wrapping itself around me, even there, Darkness is not dark to you. The night's as bright as day. His God is light. God is pure light. And his presence makes night like day. God says, I will guide you. I will lead you. My right hand will hold you fast. I'm never going to let you go. There's a verse in the Bible that describes the all-encompassing, inescapable love of God. The Apostle Paul talks about this in the New Testament in the book of Romans. Paul said, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing, not even death, can separate you. The truth of Paul's words are even more powerful when we think about the psalm and we, we, we think about the omnipresent and omniscient God that David describes in the psalm. God, our creator, who searches and knows us, who understands and holds all things together. He holds our past and present and future and he ordains our days. And from our perspective, it's hard to understand it all, right? It's like we can only experience life in one moment, one sliver of life at a time, right now. And you know, I'm, I was reminded, I came over the poly this morning and there was a huge downpour. And if you ever got caught when it rained so hard and the windshield wipers were going and I couldn't see at one point. And you know, I could just like feel my heart starting to, you know, pound and I, I kind of got scared and I had to breathe and, and I focused on God and I, I thought about the psalm. I, all I could see was the rain and at that moment I was scared. But I know these downpours, right? They, they pass pretty quickly. Look at, look at outside right now. And I knew I would come around that bend and I knew that I would come around that storm. But at that moment, all I could see, well, actually, I couldn't see. It was nothing I could see. And you know, God, he knew, because he saw that downpour, he saw the road I was in, he saw my heart beating, he saw the mountain. He sees everything, everything. God knows it all, and God sees it all through space and time in one eternal moment. So I know there's like metaverse and, and multiverse and all, you know, God knows it all. And so no matter what, no matter what we're going through, what our circumstances are like, we can trust in the one who holds it all together. We can trust in our creator. We can trust in the one whose hand is always on us who will guide us and hold us fast, and nothing can separate us from him. There's a book called Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. He was a, a priest and author. He tells a story about this brilliant ethicist, John Cavanaugh, who went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta, where Mother Teresa was. And so he goes there and he's seeking a clear answer as to how to best spend the rest of his life. On the first morning there, he sees Mother Teresa and she asks, how can I pray for you? Well, she first asks, what can I do for you? And so he says, can you pray for me? She says, what do you want me to pray for? And so John Kavanaugh voiced the request that he had carried over thousands of miles from the United States. He said, pray that I have clarity. She said firmly, no, I will not do that. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity, you know, that he longed for, she laughed. And she said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. 
Mother Teresa confessed her ruthless trust for God over her need for control, the clarity in her life. How could she trust God in this way? This ruthless trust is based in the knowledge of the unwavering, eternal love of God. You know, if it's not for the love of God, there's very little basis for trust. It is love that will sustain and hold trust together. It's love that we experience and then we have the confidence and we begin to trust God more and more. Brennan Manning wrote about this love of God in his book. And it's a long quote, but it's a really good one. A book, Ruthless Trust. If you get your hands on it, it's really good. I want to read this to you. It's a page, but I just want to ask that you listen and let the words sink in. Let me read this to you. Take your human feelings. Multiply them exponentially into infinity and you will have a hint of the love of God revealed by and in Jesus Christ. With a strong affirmation of our goodness and a gentle understanding of our weakness, God is loving us, you and me, this moment, just as we are, not as we should be. There's nothing any of us can do to increase his love for us and nothing we can do to diminish it. When we get waylaid from our walk with God by busyness, depression, family problems, or worse, God does not abandon us. Nor if we walk the way of trust, do we abandon God. When we wander off the path, that trust pulls us back. And we don't have to flinch, hesitate, or worry about being unwelcome in the Father's arms. No matter where we are on the journey, we have a quiet confidence that our trust in God's love gives God immense pleasure. However, if we picture God as touchy, unapproachable, or easily annoyed, if we image God as haughty, indifferent, or angry, if we invest him with unlovable qualities and cringe before his glance, we will dismiss the way of trust as a chimera. This is like an illusion or an impossible thing to achieve a cul-de-sac, or an easy path for wimps and wusses. Our skepticism, cynicism, and triumphant rationalism will banish God to outer space of being aloof and disengaged from the joys and struggles of his children. Sometimes we have a distorted image of God. You know, and maybe it's from our past or filtered from what people said or what the world told us. We see God with unlovable qualities and cringe before his glance. We cannot image a God who would care about our lives, our joy, or our struggles. But look at the word. Psalm 139 depicts an intimate, infinite God who is ever-present, not disengaged, never far. The more we read his word, the more we experience his presence, discover who he is, what he's done, and who we are in light of that. We begin to see a fuller picture of the intimate, unchanging, eternal love of God. 
So do we dare to believe that's true? Do we dare to believe in who God is, what he's done, and who we are in light of that? And if we believe in that, how do we respond? What do we do? Well, we have ruthless trust like Mother Teresa. And she spent her life caring for the poorest of the poor, the destitute, and dying on the streets. Do we maybe lay down or surrender some things that we cling to? Is prayer for clarity a need for control? Do we have a quiet confidence to trust beyond what people say about us and instead believe in what God says? Do we dare to step out in new and bold ways, leaning on the ever-present, all-knowing love of God? And in light of such love, what would we risk for God? What is the risk? What is the step? that you would make for God. Today is Communion Sunday. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want to end by sharing this incredible story of community engagement that we had at the Vine Campus a few weeks ago. And this event was significant because it highlighted people who risked for God, especially during the pandemic. And it, the event itself was a risk, I'll explain. And there were people who shared the love of God in community with one another. Some were complete strangers. We had a dinner where we engaged different groups together, and we had no idea what to expect. But God began something incredible that night. In fact, he began something years ago, so let me tell you a little bit of backstory here. Imagine three circles coming together. Okay, circle one. This was years ago, right before the pandemic, Anita and Clint Turpak and I went to this Alpha conference on the mainland. And in Alpha ministry, we're always praying about and we're praying about and asking, you know, how do we engage new people in new ways, maybe outside the walls of the church, going into community? And we learned about these launch events, you know, honoring nonprofits who are doing good in the community, this outreach. And we're like, hmm, and pandemic hit, and we continued to ponder about that. Circle number two. Over the pandemic, different ministries at the Vine had supported um, the work of these two Christian nonprofits. And these Christian nonprofits dared to risk for God by loving on the most vulnerable and forgotten in our neighborhoods. One was Kakaka Kupuna. They organized deliveries of monthly food for 500 seniors in low-income senior housing. And we helped them pack their groceries and deliver the groceries. And then the other nonprofit was Life360 Network, serving the vulnerable at-risk youth, many who are in public housing, the families, and the homeless kupuna. I'd often see them making pancake breakfasts and thought it was for the crew, and there they would go, delivering them to the homeless kupuna in the parks, many who they got to know by name. Leaders of both groups had come this summer to share their testimonies at the Vine, and just like the love they experienced from God, they wanted to share that love to those around them. They wanted everybody else to experience that love too, to be known and cared for. Third circle. This summer, Carolyn Grossnickel, who's our intern and leader at The Vine, she taught on missional engagement, 
what it means to be God's witnesses in our communities. And she led small group Bible studies on this and invited us to walk the city and pray and engage at events like the Honolulu Night Market in town and had ideas about bringing local businesses together for dialogue and connection. She's like, hey, what if we do a lunch? What if we do a meal and we listen and we bring community together? So on one Saturday, three circles converged. We prayed and I was like, Lord, hmm, okay. This is kind of risky. We invited surrounding businesses, the nonprofits, the church community and neighbors for a community engagement event. And there we highlighted the work of Kakako Kupuna and Life360. We let everybody know about Alpha and had a time of sharing. We brought total strangers together, some who just didn't know each other at all. Some were Christian, some were non-Christian. There were prophets there, prophet businesses, there were nonprofits. And we all shared hopes for our community and how we can support one another. And it was about a, a week before the event. And Ming Chi, who, is, who was organizing all the details for the night, sends me a text. He's like, how many are signed up? And I look and I text back, seven. I could oh, dot, 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 dot. I, I could almost hear the sigh on the other end of the phone. And I said, it's gonna be fine. But in the back of my mind, you know, I wondered, like, oh, maybe this is too risky. Like, what are we doing? Maybe no one's going to come. And there were so many facets to this evening, it's hard for me to capture this all tonight. But on Saturday evening, almost 70 people came together in community that night. Sergeant Lee and his family from the Honolulu Police Department. Mike from Max and Lucy's restaurant right across the street on Halakawila, and he had been in operation for 12 years. Owners of Pounce, a cat motel on Queen Street, who opened right before the pandemic, and then they had to shut down just like the vine, just like us. We had Christian communities from several different churches and different ministries all to come together, and many shared, including young adult leaders from Life360, kids who had grown up in Life360, and they shared now leaders. One person said, you know, when we work with the kids, we really open their eyes to see that they don't have to be a certain way just because they're labeled like that. They don't have to walk a certain way or do something because their friends are doing it. I really saw coaches stilling value in them right where they were at. And in that evening, Carolyn led the discussion and asked, what do we hope for in this community? What are our hopes and dreams for the future of this community? those working with the Kapuna for the last three years and knew so many by name. Kelsey shared, my hope is that if there's a Kapuna on the street, someone else is gonna come up and that a neighbor would know them, know their name and go to dinner or maybe take them to coffee and none of them would be forgotten. That's my hope, that each one would be known and that they would all thrive. In closing, one young adult leader stood up and again this was just all spontaneous we just put the question out there and this young person said instead of our meeting together that's like transactional you know in most meetings where you know it's it's what am i going to get out of this or you know this is my business or what's my nonprofit but instead ask what is our community what is it that's going to get all of us to the next level 
I hope that there are action steps after this implementation, not just a great idea, but to activate. Oh, true words, there was applaud, heads nodding, and I was like, amen. It's like the words in Jeremiah 29, verse seven. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find welfare. Connections were made that night. It was a beginning. And I felt like all the boats were starting to rise. Mike from Max and Lucy's happened to sit next to Chester Chin, who serves at Revive and Refresh. They're the ministry that gives showers and does laundry for the homeless. And now Mike from Max and Lucy's is trying to help Revive and Refresh with food from his restaurant. The owners from Pounce want to find ways to offer pet therapy with a kupuna and support them with what they have. And in fact, I just got an email from her last night. Hey, hey, how can I connect again with a kupuna? She reached out again. And I was like, yeah, we're going to get something together at the end of the month. Kelsey's coming back after a couple weeks. And at the Vine, we're having further conversations about how we can serve the kupuna in more ways, maybe by bringing game nights to them and alpha and much more. The following week after this dinner, the Gen X ministry joined Kakako Kupuna, <clears throat> delivering 500 bags of groceries to senior housing, <clears throat> almost 500 units. As we knocked on the door of each unit, we just say, groceries, God loves you. Some of them came out and you know, some recognized, they're like, oh, it's Kelsey's people. They literally shelled out, it's Kelsey. And uh, Renee Toyota, who was volunteering, I saw her knock and, and she was helping a grocery, you know, put in a grocery bag. And I saw her linger there for a long time. When she came out, she had tears, tears. And, uh, you know, we kept going. And afterwards, I just asked her, like, hey, um, can I ask you what, what, what was going on? What did she say? What did the person say? And she said, oh, the, she, was just, she was just thanking me. She was saying how much it helped and how much she depended on it. And she was just so thankful. And she had tears in her eyes. And then I started crying. And that was all. You know, because Kakako Kapuna took one step and dared to trust in the love of God and dared to risk for God during this pandemic, God's love continues to reach out, reach out in so many tangible ways. I hope this story inspires you on some level, perhaps to risk more for God in new ways as you trust in the secure love of an ever-present, all-knowing God. Now, let me say this, the way you risk is gonna be completely unique to you. It may be completely different than what you heard here. In fact, remember, your ridges and lines that are so unique, it's gonna be as unique as that, the way God speaks to you. But I know the God of our Psalm 139, he's gonna be working in your heart, he's working in our midst, he's working in our communities. Maybe God is stirring your heart and asking you to trust him in a new way today. Perhaps this concept of, of an all-knowing, ever-present God is quite bizarre new to you, but perhaps today something is stirring in your heart and you want to maybe dare to risk believing 
that it might be true. Perhaps this is the day you want to say, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll invite this God into my life. You know, it, it's a risk, but it's a risk that has probably the highest return, the highest reward you'll ever, ever experience in your life. So if you're willing, I'm just going to lead you in a very short, simple prayer. And <clears throat> perhaps you want to echo these words in your heart and you want to rededicate your life. You want to rededicate your life to him, to God. We you bow your heads and pray this prayer with me? Dear God, thank you for loving me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I'm sorry for the ways I've turned away from you or abandoned you, for the ways I've hurt other people or myself. Will you forgive me? And I want to take a step of trust and invite you into my heart. Will you please come into my life? Be with me. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, just make sure maybe that you press the prayer button and pray with someone and go to the prayer corner and pray with us. If you're at the Vine, you know, I'm sure there's Carolyn and Tim and anyone at your circle, really. Please pray with someone. And we want to continue to stay in community. And we'll honor one another. And we'll encourage one another for next steps. As we close our service with the sacrament of communion today, we remember, remember Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And in the ultimate act of love, Jesus bore the weight of our sins so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we're so thankful that we're accepted by you, that we're loved by you. We praise you. You are the all-knowing and ever-present God. And Lord, we thank you that we can have new life in you. Thank you for giving us a hope and a future. Thank you that we can be secure in the knowledge that we have a place at the table with you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And now will you rise to receive this blessing? And after the blessing, I just want to remind you that today is a very special day because it's ozone day. Does anybody know what ozone? Okay, you're laughing because I know there's hot dogs and there's a lot of great things for families. And even if you're not part of a family and you want a hot dog, you know, uh, my family's not here right now. I'm going to go down and get a hot dog. So please go down and get to know some new people at ozone. Will you receive this blessing as we end the service? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be gracious unto you. May his face turn towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. When you love dearly and intimately, it's easy to go to great lengths for the one you love. 
as Jesus has done for us. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, please visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. First Prez invites you to church. Join us in person or online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine, or online through our websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with all that's happening at church. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Press can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Press, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.